Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Modern Mommy Doc podcast. Today, I am chatting with Tara LaRock, CEO and founder of Mindful Mamas. She is also an education specialist in child, family, and school psychology. Her app, Mindful Mamas app, is one of my favorite places to go on the internet, on my phone. I have been talking about Mindful Mamas for the past several years since I discovered them. And so I'm thrilled to have their CEO and founder here to chat about the journey and the why behind Mindful Mamas. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so thankful that our paths crossed. I'm a big fan of your work. And if I can you know, make my way to good people like you, then I just feel like my job is so much easier because it's going to take all of us in all of our work to really pave a different path and a better path for mothers and families at large. So I'm so honored to be here. So I want to talk first about kind of your journey toward your business, about what the gap was that you saw that needed filling and why you developed Mindful Mamas in the first place. Yeah, you know, it's actually, I haven't shared my story in a while. It's been a while since I've shared it. And just today, I was at an OBGYN appointment, just doing the whole annual thing. And I was talking to the doctor about just my history and talking about my experience with postpartum depression and OCD with my first And it really made me so hopeful because she put down her clipboard and she looked me in the eyes and she said, well, tell me about your story. You know, I wasn't your provider back then. Like, tell me what was it like for you? And that was the type of care and Mm -hmm. compassion that I so desperately needed when I became a mom. And it's not to say that the care that I had was negligent or that they weren't compassionate. I just think that there's so much going on from a systemic view that makes it really hard for mental health to be a priority. And I just feel like there's so much wisdom in our wounds. That's a quote from Oprah that I take and I I embody every single day because we're all going through something that can help us to connect on that human level and create a a better world. So for me, you asking me that is just so timely. It's been a little while, but I would be more than happy to share about that experience. So my daughter is now six years old 
And when I became a mom, I was a full-time working mom as a school psychologist in the public sector. And so I was working with other families navigating IEPs, so children who had special needs that needed advocates and differential learning opportunities to really meet their goals and to thrive in the educational system. And mindfulness and meditation was always a therapeutic like approach and educational approach that I loved because I felt like it was something that I could do with the little one where they didn't need buy-in or wraparound support from their providers or their teachers Mm -hmm. or other individuals that were working with them. It was just something that was so personal to them. And they could take that skill right out of my office, right off the mat, so to speak, and incorporate it as they were walking to lunch or to recess or when they were laying in bed and they had like the Sunday scaries about going to school the next day or they were navigating a really hard family situation. I felt like it was something that I could teach to my three-year-olds and I could use that same type of scaffolding and practice and teach my 18-year-olds that I was working with. Mm. And so from, you know, that's standpoint, that professional standpoint, I saw it really unlock something. But we don't always practice what we preach. I don't know if you have that experience. And while yes. <laughs> I used it so much yeah. in my professional setting, it wasn't like I was going home and meditating, or it wasn't like I was mm-hmm. taking, you know, those mindful moments for myself. And I really don't know what the blocker was other than I think I thought I was getting enough practicing it with other kids that I didn't really need it to be my own practice, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And oh boy, was I so Mm -hmm. wrong (laughs) when I became a mom. And I was just sort of thrown into the landscape that is motherhood. And I felt like I didn't have a map or a compass or, you know, I didn't know which way was up. Everything felt so new for me. And I think that that was the hardest part is being, you know, somebody that is so goal oriented and, you know, went to graduate school for four years for my profession and really loves to be taught and to be mentored and master things like to the deepest level to be so new at everything was really, really, really hard for me. And so I didn't do well with that you know, breastfeeding was really new and really hard. Sleeping was really new and really hard. Communicating how I was feeling was really new and really hard. And for me, a lot of that, a lot of how I felt was so disorienting that I didn't even know which way to step or if this was normal. I think that that's something that we hear from mindful mamas a lot is that just hearing that my experience is normal was all I needed to make it to the next day or like to make it to the next moment or to know that like I could advocate. And even though it's normal, I'm not, I don't have to be passive in accepting that this is how it is for me too. And that's taken me a long time to get to for sure. But it was really in those raw moments postpartum with my first Whitney, I'll tell you, there was a moment where I was in my nursery and I had to work the next morning and I was already really overwhelmed with my caseload and how I was going to show up for my family's sleep deprived. It was the thing that just 
scared me the most. Like, how am I going to be at my best when I've only slept for two hours? And it was, we were up late at night and it was my daughter and I, and I was rocking her and she, you know, hadn't slept. And I was looking around my nursery at all the things that I bought. Like I have this swaddle, I have this nursing chair, I have this noise machine, I have, you know, this cute piece of art on the wall, but none of it was going to help me in that moment. And I became so enraged that I had spent a lot of time thinking about what I needed to buy to like be a good mom and prepare for motherhood. And really all I had in that moment was like my breath and the self-talk, which was not in a good place, mind you. It was, it was like, holy moly, my brain had turned on me. And I just realized that if I don't learn how to understand the storm with inside myself, I was never going to be able to navigate the storm that I was experiencing with, with my daughter. So that was fun. That was a fun moment <laughs> to go through, but I, it was necessary for me. And I think back to that moment a lot when, when I'm still overwhelmed, when I'm still stressed out and just giving myself permission that I have to take care of myself is a, is a daily reminder, but it's so necessary. So for me, you know, postpartum came with postpartum depression. It came with intrusive thoughts. It came with a lot of doomsday thinking, worst case scenario, constantly on my mind. And when I went back to work, trying to navigate the stressful situations for the families I was serving and then my own, it was too much. It was like my nervous system could not handle it. And I had a lot of shame. I was a mental health practitioner experiencing her own mental health crisis. And I'm like, I thought I was supposed to know how to navigate this and like what tools would work for me and how to communicate this. And I didn't. So there was a lot of fear there. I mean, Whitney, I, I really thought I was going to lose my license. I thought I was going to lose my daughter. So I stayed silent for about eight months before I told anybody about how I was feeling. And I'm just so thankful that when I did start talking about it, it was taken very seriously and I was able to get professional help. And I, I think every day about the moms that might not get to that point as acutely as I did, but that are still suffering and still questioning and still so overwhelmed. And it just makes this work about self-care and mindfulness and meditation. It makes it so dire for me. Like I can't, I can't mm-hmm. turn a blind eye. I so appreciate your vulnerability in sharing your story because I think that is a story of so many women that they don't ever share I remember being with my daughter and wanting to shake her. I remember my mm-hmm. husband coming in and saying like, so are you going to like kill our kid? Like what? Like I need to take the baby from you because you're not okay. I remember the yeah. shame of that moment. I remember people asking me advice in clinic about their babies and thinking, you shouldn't listen to me. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. That and also 
parents who are later on in their parenting journey having an easier time of than me and being incredibly jealous that they weren't having the moment that I was having at that time with my baby oh, yeah. and really questioning it all about like, am I cut out for this job? Am I a fraud? There's so much shame. And I think a lot of women, especially women in healthcare, but even if they're not, have that moment of like reckoning of all the things that I thought would make me a good mom aren't enough. And the whole paradigm of how I thought I would do this has to shift. And I I really think that is what brings people to their knees of like, okay, I need to like get okay inside myself if I'm ever going to be okay for my child and okay with myself long-term. Oh yeah. I mean, I think in that moment when I was rocking winter, it was like I had desperately Googled all of the sleep schedules and, you know, tried to read all of the books, but for my child, that didn't feel like a solution. It didn't feel like that was what was best for her and what was best for our relationship. And so I think in that moment of acceptance of, okay, I know I'm not going to get the sleep that I really crave and really, really want. So what am I going to do to cope, to navigate this, to really accept that this is where I'm at in this moment and Yes, it could change even in two days. I mean, you know, babies go through leaps and just different different experiences where their sleep is changing all the time. But for me, in that moment, I was so convinced that this was going to be my suffering and I was going to stay in this suffering forever. That's just how it felt. Even though my rational mind was telling me it will get better, right? Right. Yes, because it always does, you know, like they, they eventually do sleep. They all eventually sleep somewhat. So you had this experience, obviously at some point it ameliorated in terms of her sleep. You probably started getting the sleep you needed. You started working on yourself. You started working on meditation, on breath work. And then what happened? It was slow and steady. So I, I think it's helpful to know because I think what moms say when they come to me is, well, I could never meditate. Like my mind is always racing. I'm always doing, you know, multitasking and having to do lists run in my mind. And I do better when I'm busy because when I'm quiet, that's when it gets real, right? It's just something Mm -hmm. that, that we want to avoid a lot of the time and it's uncomfortable. And it is really when our mind can make up all kinds of crazy lies and things that aren't really the truth, but what meditation and mindfulness does is it allows like the muddied thoughts to kind of sift and for you to have a choice. Like, am I going to pop into that thought and look at it from this way and this way and this way and like live in it and, you know, take it down the train Mm -hmm. or take it down the track of that train ride? Or am I going to just see it and say, okay, like I see you, you know, you're wanting my attention for this, but I'm good. You know, like, I'm good. You just, you can just stay there. I'm going to keep choosing to come back to where I am. And that's in my breath and in my body and right now and in, in, in this environment. And so for me, you know, even though I had been trained to use mindfulness and meditation with the families I had served, 
I knew that I needed to understand it for how it looked like for me and in my life. And so I took a pretty intense, like 10 week deep dive into mindfulness and it was geared toward caregivers to prevent burnout. And oh, Whitney, I was like that student that I would sit down and then 10 seconds later, I would like pop out of my seat and I'd have to go pump or and I'm doing air quotes for those that can't see me. I had to go to the bathroom. I, I had to check on my daughter, right? Like I could not even for 10 or 15 seconds sit there with the discomfort. Like my body had such a visceral response. I would just pop right back out and, and like be convinced. I am no way going to learn this. But mm-hmm. as I just kept trying, I made it 30 seconds and I, I didn't die. It wasn't so bad. It was uncomfortable. I didn't like how I felt. I didn't like what I thought, but I did it. And then it was a minute. And then it was noticing that when I washed my hands in the bathroom, instead of thinking about the bottles I have to wash that night and, you know, all the paperwork I have to get through, I would notice that I would be looking at my hands and notice how beautiful, as silly as it sounds, but the bubbles of the soap looked. And Mm -hmm. I started noticing the colors of the leaves more. Like my life became more vibrant in these micro moments that started to stack up where I felt like I lived that day. Like I lived for those micro moments of I am here. This is me. Wow. There is a lot of beauty or Mm -hmm. I would notice in the times where when I wasn't doing well, that I could just sit with it for a second and just name it. There's a little saying that I love that goes, if you can name it, you can tame it. So a lot of that, you know, emotional awareness of just naming, like I feel rage, I feel rage right now. And that's okay. That was a huge unlock for me. And I would have never been able to give myself that self-compassion had I not sat with the discomfort and sorted through my thoughts and learned that my thoughts are not the end-all, be-all truth-tellers. And I don't have to believe everything that I think. It yeah. just unlocked for me. I, was, I felt free. Mama, it is here and available for download. It's the new Modern Mamas Club app. We are so ready to join you on your personal journey from conflicted to centered. We want to take you on an evidence-based path from feeling conflicted all the time, from feeling pulled in all kinds of directions, from feeling burnt out to feeling really purposeful and aligned. As you move through your working motherhood experience, no matter what is happening around you. So go check it out in the app store. I want to dig into a little bit this idea that you as a trained professional in mindfulness went or to, in meditation, went to a program, like presumably paid for a program where someone else kind of walked you through 
the process of meditating and being mindful because I think a lot of women carry shame around just the idea that they're not able to slow down, you know, that like you have an app that like that they would need an app to be able to do something that is, should be relatively simple. And yet you needed that to be able to start the process. And even then, as it was guided, it was difficult. Mothers need mothers. Teachers need teachers. People need people. We're always in that circle of life where we're the student and we're the teacher. We're the student and we're the teacher. And I feel like when it comes to mindfulness and meditation, having that reminder to come back to your center, having that reminder that if your mind is busy, it's okay. Having that reminder that what you're feeling is really normal. It's just enough a lot of the times to keep going, to say, okay, I can do this. You know, I have, I have somebody that believes in me right here, whether that's just the voice, you know, in our app or you're, you're sitting in person with somebody and there's, there's an accountability to it where, you know, we have a lot of moms that are like, mindful mamas is waiting for me. Like they're waiting for me. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're, they want to hold me in this experience and like, I should show up, you know, not only for myself, but for like the, the, the mindful mama collective at large. And I just think when you allow yourself that permission of even though now mindfulness and meditation, like I can't go a day without getting that white noise or that white space Mm -hmm. and taking kind of that mental checklist to just kind of let everything settle and fall where it needs to and sort where it needs to. I still need people around me that scaffold these skills I still need that reminder that this is important and here is a technique that could help you. And I think what's so cool about mindfulness and meditation is, and really any emotional technique, like emotional regulation technique, is you don't have to master all 1,000 of them. Like let's say there even is 1,000. You really only need one or two that works for you. And then I think what what I knew was so important for me in building Mindful Mamas and building the curriculum is moms are so busy. I'm not expecting them to sit in quiet for 20 minutes. Like that's just sometimes not realistic. But what I am expecting is that they that they learn these skills that they can dif- that they can generalize into their daily life. So it's learning, for example how to take a breath before you go into the grocery store. It's, Mm -hmm. have I looked in my children's eyes today? You know, like Mm -hmm. it's, have I even noticed what's around me? It's just, Mm -hmm. like I said, those micro moments that you go through your day out of autopilot and you just feel like you accomplished something in that presence. And that, that, that feeling is, is, like I said, it's just so freeing. It's so good. And I want every mom to feel that way. Yeah. I love like even some of your daily sips that you guys have are like two minutes long. I mean, it's like, doesn't take very much out of your day yeah. to get that moment. The other thing that I love, you guys have a mantra section and there's one that talks about like fear of failure. And it says, you couldn't fail if you tried. And just having that in my lexicon of 
like what my brain goes to that when I start to become self-critical or when I enter kind of into a fear spiral, even though that mantra is 20 seconds long, I think it repeats, you know, three or four times, (laughs) same time, like I still can go back to that in other moments where I'm having a more difficult time and, and access it. And I think the other thing to just like release people from when they're having a hard time with starting out with meditation, making that a daily practice, it's kind of like exercise, right? Like once you do it, then it feels so good. And then you kind of like get addicted to it. But when you're starting out is that we do live in an attention economy, attention economy. There there's been a lot written about that, about how we are increasingly pulled in different directions that over the course of the pandemic, moms have been pulled in even more directions as they've tried to save some shred of their career, but then because of the gender pay wage gap, then they've had to be the ones that have been home and caring for their kids. So then they've lost their job. Like we have a lot to think about. And then we have Netflix and gaming and like all the other things out there and notifications on our phone. It makes incredible sense that doing the thing that's about pausing and noticing would be like really hard for our brains to do, especially now but yet the best thing to do for it. Absolutely. As I was hearing you say, I was starting to feel like wound up. Like I was like taking on, yes, like all all of those things. It just so hard and oh my gosh, it is so hard to pause. And how are we expected to to do it all? And we're not. And, you know, I think that there's, there's a lot about the brain that we can learn and uncover. And again, it, it normalizes, right? Like we are primed for distraction. Our brains love when we get distracted. We get that little ping of dopamine. It's like checking your phone Mm -hmm. for out of what? Like, did I even pause because I noticed I was bored and I made the conscious choice to go to my phone? Probably not. It's just our brains are seeking that distraction constantly. And, you know, you think about even the negativity bias, like back in the day when we had to watch out, you know, it was so much safer for our brains to notice a snake on the trail than it was that beautiful flower or hummingbird right next to you. Like we're primed to see the threats and the dangers of our life. And so just knowing that gives us that sense of, okay, this is how I'm built. This is why my brain does this. But then choosing to also see the beauty, choosing to also accept where we're at, choosing to know that being a human is having a full range of human experiences. And that choice allows us to make different choices. And those different choices lead to different outcomes. They might just be in the moment, but they also could be really big. And so you know, when I, when I think about learning about the brain and learning about how our bodies work, it's so cool too. And I don't know if, if your children are experiencing it, but teachers are starting to talk about it in kindergarten. Like my kindergartner mm-hmm. comes home and she's talking about her amygdala. What's her security guard? And it just makes me laugh because that was a type of curriculum that I felt like I fought so hard to bring to my school. You know, even back when mm-hmm. mindfulness and meditation wasn't as socially accepted or maybe that there was more of a stigma there or it was like this this elusive concept that was just for people who practice Buddhism. There were so many misconceptions in it, but 
it's awesome. Like I love that my kindergartner is learning yeah. about her brain. It just, yeah. it's, it seems necessary. It seems so necessary. If we're going to be thriving humans, we have to break it down and go to allowing us to be human wherever we are. No, I think the thing that's happening too in the schools, and this is probably what you were part of why you were fighting for this is that when we teach our kids mindfulness and meditation about emotional regulation and dysregulation in the school and at home, it's so much easier for it to be normalized when they're not regulated to identify that as like, I'm not a bad person. I'm just a human. My daughter's school, they have a counselor who meets with my daughter, some of the other kids. You guys know my daughter has some neurodivergence and she talks with this entire group about emotional regulation and about all these things we're talking about. And my daughter comes home and explains it just like it's facts about nutrition. She talks about it just like it's the solar system. She talks about it like this is gospel truth. Now I know we talk about it at home too. Yeah. But if only I was talking about it at home, it would be like, oh, this is some special thing you have to talk about just with me. And the fact they're starting to integrate it into the schools. I mean, educators, like this is a place where we can really build a foundation of individuals who are truly strong within themselves because they accept themselves because they accept the ups and downs, right? And they're more aware of themselves. Tara, let us know where people can find out more about Mindful Mamas, more about joining in with your community, more about getting started, even if it's little small baby steps on a mindfulness and meditation journey with you. Yeah, of course. So you can download us on the Apple App Store or on Google Play. Just search for Mindful Mamas. And then we're on Instagram and our handle is Mindful Mamas Club and Mamas is M-A-M-A-S. Important distinction. People spell mamas all kinds of different ways. (laughs) Thank you for being here, Tara. It was our absolute pleasure to host you. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Hey mama, if you want more of the Modern Mommy Doc podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Doc. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.